uh, just thank you, worship team. Uh, and just even at the end, <clears throat> as we were singing that, uh, having read the end of Revelation today and uh, the picture of uh, heaven and the glory of God just shining through through this the new Jerusalem. It just says it reflects his glory. And uh, they describe it as the new Jerusalem's walls being 200 feet thick, and yet the power of his light reflecting, shining through. Uh, he is worthy, worthy of our praise. You know, I think of that uh, thought. I can't, I can't help but think of Emmanuel, God, with us. And to just have that thought tonight as we uh, look at his word is that God is with us. Man, we're with him. What, a, what an incredible, incredible thing. Father, may that revelation become so clear in our hearts and lives tonight. Lord, help us to hear your voice as you speak through your word. We're open, wide open to you, Jesus. Love you. Love you in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, welcome to the online audience uh, as well tonight. Uh, great to take some time uh, together. Maybe you had to stay home, busy Christmas holidays and uh, whatever. Uh, we, we get it. Uh, or maybe you're just resting up because, you know, New Year's Eve is right around the corner. But uh, to those here tonight, man, it's always better with you here. So let's just uh, jump in. If you brought your Bibles tonight, grab them. <clears throat> We're going to finish the year the way we started in his word. And uh, continuing to get used to opening this book and opening our hearts to what's in it. Uh, we spent a year, you know, really pursuing uh, the mission of helping people find Christ and find community. We want to finish the way we started. And so tonight, just a fair warning, at the end of uh, this message tonight, I want to just extend an invitation to each and every one of you to do something truly meaningful in 2024. Uh, and that invitation is to... Um, Spend some time every single day reading his word with others in some way to find a way to spend time every single day in his word. To those of you who have done it before, you've done it this year, spent time every single day. My invitation will be to you. To those who've never done it before, man, I want to invite you to do something incredibly meaningful in this coming year. Uh, and you know, when we begin to talk about that, I, I know what happens when we begin to talk about reading the word every day for yourself. There can be the sense of guilt that comes on people, right? You might, right away may, might be thinking about how, how little you've spent uh, in the word for yourself, or you focus on how much you don't know. And I understand that. I know that that's kind of how our, our, our enemy works, even how our soul works a little bit. Uh, and I was thinking about that. You know, Christmas is only a week away. It's crazy, right? It's just, it was just uh, not that far not that far back. And so this Christmas, uh, we started a new tradition. I, I, I don't know if it's going to be an ongoing one, but we had my whole family uh, over to, uh, to our house on Christmas Day. Normally, we have nobody over on Christmas Day, and it is wonderful. I mean, if my family's watching, it was wonderful as well having you over. But, but it's like 30 people in our house. It is a, it is a, it's loud, and it's busy, and, it, and it's great. And so this year, they also wanted to start some other new traditions, and that every family in my family would have to bring a game that the whole family would be able to play. And uh, so there were some different variations. And then it was interesting as we got, as my brother arrived, oh, I wasn't going to say which one, uh, as my sibling arrived, uh, he asked me, he's like, he says, uh, hey, is your game Bible baseball? Because figures, right? The pastor are going to do Bible baseball. And he's like, if it is, just make sure you ask my kids and my family the really easy questions. 
This right away, this instant thought of like, I don't know enough about the Bible. My family, my kids definitely don't know enough about the Bible. You better pitch them the really easy ones. And I thought about that. I thought, you know, there's this moment as I was preparing, I thought, you know, I probably shouldn't say that about my brother. But then I thought, you know, really what I should have done is given him this mug for Christmas. This, do we have a picture of my mug? Oh, it was so much better when it was working. So the mug says, be careful. I thought maybe. It was just a, oh! And there was great rejoicing. Be careful or you will end up in my sermon. That's what I should have done. I know, I know. Thanks to my friend Mark Wilkinson who uh, sent me this picture of this mug. You also have ended up in the sermon. All right. So, but we, I had a point. This, we might have to record again tomorrow. I don't know. So, to, the, right, there was a point. Yes. How that instantly our thoughts can go to the guilt and the shame of how poorly we've done as far as spending time in this. But to, to be honest, um, the, the, the majority of people find themselves on kind of on the wrong end of that of that statement of spending time every day in the word and uh, there's stats you know I have some American stats I was reading this thing it was like shocking stats about Bible reading in 2024 and they're already predicting how poorly it's going to go but it was uh, this American thing and I'm pretty sure that in Canada it's no no different and I encourage you just to kind of as we begin today just to score along as well uh, and just see kind of where you're at Uh, you don't have to raise hands, but I would ask this question. How many of you believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God? Some raise their hands anyways. Good. You know, about 70%, uh, they said, of, of Christians in, in uh, America believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God. I'm like, that's pretty good, 70%. I'm like, that means 30% don't actually think this is his word. Christians, that, that's concerning to me. Then we read a little bit more. How many read their Bible regularly three to four times a week? Stats would say that 32% uh, read it regularly. 60% of American Christians rarely or never read their Bible, less than once a week. 60% of people who would call themselves Christians. Less than 20% of millennials, if you're not sure who that is, you were born in the 80s and 90s, less than 20% of them read the Bible on a regular basis. Teenagers, only 9% of teens, they said, read their Bible daily. And then uh, here's, some of the, uh, you know, here's some of the stats I'd love to see us change. Women are more likely to read the Bible than men by a rate of 40% higher. Way to go, women. Mm-hmm. Uh, only 12% of churchgoers read the Bible daily. Over 50% of Christians struggle to understand the Bible when they read it. And you're like, okay, you know, maybe I'm in good company, whichever side you're on. And less than 10% of Christians have read this thing entirely. And only 25% of Christians engage in any form of Bible study. You know, I was reading all those stats and it was like, you know, it could be real easy to, like, to, to, to pour on and work with the guilt complex. But, but I don't think guilt really motivates us to do anything. Because these stats have been the same and declining for decades. Guilt is not a good motivator. It, it, it isn't. You know, daring people is actually probably better. If I was to say, hey, don't read this. I double dare you. You know, some of you like, fine then, I'm going to do it. <laughs> but I think that there is something much deeper down inside of each and every person. I believe that in the heart of people who said, I want to follow Christ, that there is a longing on the inside to know him. 
I do. I think that deep down in here, if you're honest, you'd say, yeah, I don't always know how, but there's something in here that wants to know the Lord. I want to hear his voice. I want to know and understand purpose. I want to understand his word. I want to know the truth for myself. I have it in there. And I want to appeal to that tonight. Just to speak simply to that, regardless of how well it's gone in the past, it doesn't matter. I want to invite you to do something meaningful in this coming year. As the psalmist said in Psalm 34, to taste and see for yourself that the Lord is good. You know, we just sang about it, his goodness, to taste and see it for yourself. Uh, you know, the, the message today, um, they gave it the title, Our Daily Bread. And I thought about Beth baking sourdough bread. And I'm like, man, it, she is phenomenal at it. It looks pretty. It tastes prettier. It is phenomenal. When I, when, when I can smell it happening, I'm like, it's only a matter of time. And today I smelled it happening and I had to leave. And now I'm going to have to have it tomorrow. But it is, it's, amazing. it's like I've tasted it for myself and it is epic. I hope you have the chance. Well, that's what David would write about. He's like, man, your word is like honey on my lips. I don't, he says, it's like a lamp unto my feet. It's delicious delightful to me. I, I hope he didn't, he didn't write it so the Lord knew what he was saying. He wasn't like, hey, Lord, I want you to know that it's like honey on my lips. He, he'd sing that. He's like, I want other people to sing this. Your word is like honey on my lips. I want them to taste and see for themselves. And so today, I'd encourage you to grab a piece of paper, take some notes. I have two simple thoughts today. Two simple things. Number one is why. Number two is how. Two points with a bunch of sub points. So we're going to jump into his, uh, into his word and uh, want to encourage you with, yeah, it's going to go quick. So let's just jump in. 2 Timothy chapter 3. So it's in the New Testament. You can turn to the right. You can find 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy is a letter that Paul wrote to a young guy named Timothy. And uh, as he wrote to him as a, as a young guy who is pastoring a church and he's encouraging him uh, to... Make the word a regular part of his life. And he says this in 2 Timothy 3, verse 15. He says, You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they've given you wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. We'll come back to that. Verse 16. All Scripture, it's inspired by God. It's useful to teach us what's true, to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong. And it teaches us to do what's right. And God uses it. He uses scripture to prepare us, to equip his people, to do every good work. I want to take a look at that portion of scripture tonight, along with so many other parts. You know, there's no shortage of points. And you think about Psalm 119. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. And it's just written about how good this is. And we could take every verse and we could take a couple of years just talking simply about how great his word is. There's no shortage of those points and no shortage of those who would um, speak towards it. But in Paul's note to Timothy, I think he gives us a few really great short tidbits of why. Number one is this. Why? Why read it? Number one is it sustains us. You see at the end of it, he says God uses his word to prepare and equip us to do every good work. What does that mean? That, that simply just means he uses his word to help us live he prepares and equips us for real life. This, the, this, the content of this, the very voice of the Lord to us, gives us the ability to live. And think about this. When Jesus was on the planet, Matthew tells us this account where Jesus uh, encountered the devil in the wilderness. And he was being tempted to, uh, he was being tempted to turn um, stones into bread because he, he was hungry. And the devil's like, okay, listen, satisfy that need for bread. 
we see Jesus' response to him. It's not just a response to the enemy. Again, written for our benefit. Matthew 4, it says this, but Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say that people don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You know, it wasn't just this thing of like, oh, no, I'm just not going to do what you tell me to do. He's like, I, you don't understand that, that bread alone, Beth sourdough bread alone isn't enough. And it's crazy at how many people try to live like it is. Think about that. How many people do we know around us who live their life that's a gift from God to them? They live that life without him. They have no desire for him. They have no, there is no sense of listening for his voice. They don't know the Lord and they have no desire to know him. They live their life as if bread alone, food alone is enough for them. But it's amazing at how many Christians try and do it too. We saw that with the stats of 60%. Don't read this. 60% think that they can do it on physical bread alone. You know, I don't fault them because our culture and our society preaches the gospel of you are basically a single cell organism. You, you are just biology. The most important thing is your, is your body, your food, your health, your feelings, all the things that you want here. That's the most important thing. And they fail to, to, to realize that we are spirit, soul, and body. That we are created in his image and that all require nourishment and that they're all connected. You know, medically, they tell us that they're all connected. There's all of these psychosomatic illnesses. I remember having one when I was uh, early married. They could not figure out what was wrong with me until later on they started realizing. They're like, are you stressed? I'm like, I just got married. Of course I'm stressed, right? Uh, And it was affecting my physical body. And it's amazing at how that works. Why? Because they're connected. You know, and it's, it's, it's how sometimes it's things in the spiritual realm affect the mental realm, where there's mental health issues, but really it's something spiritual going on, fear and anxiety, how that plays out. Not always, sometimes. Different ways that mess with us in different ways. And, you know, even I was thinking about that too. There's a lot of sickness going around right now. So hail to the healthy here tonight. You know, there's a lot of people sick. And as I'm, you know, over the past number of years, they're talking about vitamin um, D deficiency. How many, so many in this, uh, uh, you know, in the live in the north, they got a vitamin D deficiency and it affects your immunity. You know, it's, if, if, you're, if you're, you want to help yourself, pop some vitamin D pills. But I also think in spiritually, it's like we got the vitamin B deficiency. There's so little of this for our spirit to feed on that it's like we're so ill-prepared for what the, whatever comes our way, whether it's from the enemy or just life itself. And I thought, you know, this message could be full of cliches and dad jokes and whatever else, but I believe it's just way too important for us to do any more than that one. But maybe you'll remember that, simply, that simple thing of my spirit is craving his, his word. You know, Jesus, in his final conversation with his disciples, he reminded them of this in John 15. You can turn there, actually. John chapter 15. Let's go back a few pages. John 15, verse 5. Jesus, he's telling them about how he's like the true vine. They're the branches. And uh, he says in verse 5, he says, yes, I'm just going to read a portion between 5 and 7. He says, yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me. So he's, he's explaining something to them. Those who stay connected to me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 7, he says, but if you remain in me, if you stay connected to me, and he says, this, this is how our connection to him, he says, my words remain in you. 
He says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you'll ask for anything you want and it'll be granted. That's not just like, oh Lord, thank you for your word. It's in me. I want a Ferrari, right? That's not what it's saying at all. He's saying that you, in, in that sense of bearing fruit, the very fruit that we desire, the very fruit he desires in our life, the stuff that really matters, like genuine love and patience and kindness and, and peace, those things, they don't grow in our lives without him. They don't grow in our lives without him. And we see how many times there's so many uh, believers, Christians, that, that are going through all kinds of stuff and really they could just use some peace. And it's right here. It's that connection to him and to his word. He says, stay connected to me. That fruit will grow in your life. The fruit's not accomplished by trying harder or some New Year's resolutions. And the thought tonight is this. What if, instead of trying harder to fix ourselves, we spent more time just feeding ourselves? What if this year we spent less time trying to fix ourselves and more time just feeding ourselves? Second part of why. Why? sustains us. Number two, why it corrects us. We see it in 2 Timothy 3.16. He says, it makes us realize what's wrong in our lives. His word reveals what's wrong in our lives and it corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what's right. James, the brother of Jesus, he, he, he uh, uh, spoke along this thought as well. And he said in James 1 verse 22, let me just uh, read it. We'll put it on the screen. He says, don't just listen to God's word. Don't just listen to his voice. You must do what he says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and you don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully... What's he saying? It's like we're going to do a series uh, coming up called Come and See, where like we said, lo and behold, it's like, look, but don't just look, actually see what you're looking at. He says, if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, you don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. You know, he talks about the word like a mirror. I don't know about you, but the mirror is not always my friend. You know, I, I know it's a big surprise, but I did not roll out of bed looking like this. <laughs> and neither did you. I was so tempted to just put a picture of me up there. I was like, no, can't do it. You can just imagine. You can just imagine. This is not what I, not what I look like. And, and you know the word? Man, the word's so good at that too. As we look into it, it actually reveals what's going on in our hearts. And we don't always like it. It's like, oh man, I just rolled out of bed spiritually. And it digs in there a little bit. You know, where it starts dealing with things in our minds and it reveals the root issues of the things going in our lives. It's like, you know, you thought your things were going all all right. He's like, yeah, as you read, you're like, ooh, there's some unforgiveness right about there. And it begins to show you as you look, as you're reading, it's like, ooh, there's a little bit of bitterness right there. And our pride so often is like, I don't want to look in the mirror anymore. I'm fine the way, fine the way it is. But as we look in the mirror, it reveals those things. There's a little bit of lust. There's a little bit of love of money. There's a little bit of this, or maybe a lot, as you look into it. You know, when you look at the mirror in the morning, the mirror doesn't actually fix you. It just shows you. The word, though, it does both. It shows you, and then it fixes you. It's what he said. Paul writes to Timothy, he says, it helps us realize what's wrong, but then it corrects us. It's like, hey, don't live like this, but live like this. Put on the new man, put off the old. Live by the spirit, not by the flesh. Teaches us to do what's right. It prepares and equips us if you look carefully. And so often we're like scared. It's like, I don't want to look in there because what is it going to show me? And we forget that he says, if you look carefully into the law, that sets you free. Why wouldn't we? 
want to just look into his word, that actually the end result is freedom. Man, it's amazing. You know, so much of the time, it's all that guilt and shame that just keeps us away from his word. And I, I think, you know, his word even describes, like, you've got all kinds, of, all kinds of folks dealing with, you know, moral and purity issues in their lives, struggling with different sins and temptations. You know, you're like, oh, man, what do I, what do? I, do? I, got, I got to fix this, you know, and then, uh, then, I'm, then I'm worthy to read this. Man, I look at David, and just even in Psalm 119, this is what he writes, Psalm 119, verse 11, or sorry, verse 9. How can a young person stay pure? Young people, like in the dating world, you're like going through like the, 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 all the barrage of the movies and everything just at your doorstep and always banging on the door of your mind and your heart. How can you stay pure? He writes, by obeying your word. Verse 10, I've tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. Verse 11, I've hidden your word in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against you. I spent time putting this in here so that, Lord, so that in that time I, I can remain pure. It's not just for young men. It's for old men, young women, old women. The, the key to obeying him is hiding it here. And that's that thing, that call to say, man, every day, Lord, I just want to hide it there. So it's there when the time comes, when, it, when, when it's needed. You know, like, uh, there's a, that famous scripture that just talks about guard your heart because out of it come the issues of your life. And we focus so much on the guard your heart, guard your heart, guard your heart. And we forget that it's out of our heart where the issues of our life are coming. And so if we just put his word in our heart, man, the issues in our life, they, they look a lot different as a result. Third, Why? Why should we be spending time every day in his word? It teaches us truth. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, he says, All scripture is inspired by God. It's useful to teach us what's true. Man, Jesus prayed for all of his followers, including us. John 17, 17, he says, Make them holy by your truth, Lord. Make them holy by your truth and teach them your word, which is truth. What's he saying? He's like, we... That, that make them holy is set them apart by your truth. And we live in a truthless age. Everywhere there is this absence of truth and an ab- abandonment of truth. And so people who pursue truth are going to look a little different. They are going to end up being set apart, but set apart by the truth, which is his word. We're not going to look like culture and society if you're like, man, I want to be in this every single day. It's going to affect. It's going to set you apart. And, and to be honest, if we just look at society, man, our society has been drifting from truth for decades, but we see it now big time. It's like we're seeing the, fru- the fruition of this drift, not just a drift, the suppression of truth. It's like they, there is, <laughs> they'll blatantly say things that you're like, yeah, logic doesn't follow that. You know, that, that doesn't make any common sense. It's just not truth. And yet everyone parrots it as if it is until the masses believe it. Think about this. The truth about humanity, no longer true. They suppress the truth about race, about justice, about what it really is. Uh, The truth about gender is long gone. Uh, Sexuality, sin, God, life itself. Truth is so, so far in the rearview mirror for our society and for our culture. And it just continues to drift away from truth. And we think, that's crazy. What's crazier is how many Christians continue to drift with society as well. Churches that are like, well, we're going to embrace this because, it, you know, that, that is obviously the, uh, where, where our culture is going. If we're going to reach people, we got to reach them where they're at. And they abandon truth in their pursuit of it. And they have nothing left to offer when they reach people. What's happened? We got away from this. 
Now we got away from the daily dose of putting that just in our heart. Lord, teach me your word that is truth. Man, I don't care if it sets me apart. I don't, I don't want to drift in the danger. I want to be where you are. So why should we be reading it? Well, it sustains us. It corrects us. It teaches us. And if deep down tonight, that's something you feel is longing for, I would encourage you to, to just say, man, I'm in. I'm in. Okay, the why is good enough for me. Now how? What am I going to do? So if you're writing, write fast. Here we go. The how. They all start with the letter P, so hopefully you'll remember it is this. Number one is simply pray. And you're going to start reading his word and truth. Let me just say this. You're in over your head before you start. You start reading this like, man, I feel like I'm in the deep end. <laughs> exactly. Every one of us is in the deep end right from the start. Why? Paul said to Timothy, it's all God breathed. The creator of all, the God of all. He's the inspiration behind all of it. His infinite knowledge and wisdom far surpasses us. We, we shouldn't have a hope in our mind that we're going to be like, yeah, I fully understand it. I've read it once. Man, we're, we're all in there. What do we realize? Lord, I need you to teach me your truth. It's not man's idea. It's not understood just by simply men's lens or men's filter. People reading it just to kind of like, oh, I think it's like a nice book. No, that's not the point at all. It's to read it with that heart to say, Lord, I believe that this is your word and your voice, and I want to hear your voice. Like Samuel, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening, Lord, give me ears to hear like you talk about in the, in the early uh, part of Revelation that we might hear and understand. Pray because there's spiritual warfare going on the second you open this. Why do you think it's so difficult for so many people to read this? Man, because we have an enemy who wants anything but for you to understand the truth. Man, we realize that. We're like, yes, okay, Lord, I'm, I, I'm, I'm in I'm just going to, I realize there'll be resistance from my enemy. I re realize there's going to be distraction. I realize there's going to be doubt and there's going to be all kinds of these darts thrown at me immediately. Lord, I need your help. Holy Spirit, would you speak? You know, I'd encourage you something that I started doing a couple years ago is just start by spending two minutes in silence. It's crazy how difficult that is. But what are you doing? You're like, Lord, I'm going to spend a couple minutes just allowing myself to focus on you. Let every distraction try, but I'm not going. I'm going to remain silent. Lord, I'm not going to tell you everything I need and just speak, 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 because I know I'm not learning when I'm talking. I'm just going to prepare myself just to listen, to hear your voice through your word. I'm just going to be still and know that you're God. Pray. It is the most important thing. Second, plan. Nothing of this magnitude to say, I'm going to spend every day, some time every day for a whole year in his word. That's not going to happen without some sort of plan to succeed. And so I'm challenging you tonight to plan. Plan where? Plan when? Plan what you're going to read. Maybe you're like, okay, it's 6 a.m. It's at the breakfast table. Or maybe like it's 8 p.m. The kids are in bed before Netflix. I'm in here. Whatever it is, come up with a plan, not just some willy-nilly good intention. Oh, I liked that sermon. I'm going to try it. I can promise you in a week from now, you'll be like, oh, wait, <laughs> what was I going to do? And it's like, no, like, I I'm all in, so I I'm going to plan it. We talk often with our pre-marriage classes about planning date nights when you're married. 
And it's like, oh, no, we'll always have date night. <laughs> uh, married people are like, oh, wait a second. <laughs> What's it take? We tell them, plan it. Put it on the calendar and then prioritize it. Don't let anything get in the way of that. Because something's always going to try. Oh, like, honey, it's free tickets to the Leafs game. Prioritize it. Baby, you're more important than those losers anyways, right? Like, we're going on a date. We're going to go to Jack Astor's where I can watch it on the screen. No, just. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to prioritize it, right? And then you protect it. You're like, man, we're not. We're going to make sure that it happens. You know what? Same with this. Plan it. It's like, this is what's going to happen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prioritize it. Um, because I'm all in. Third is this, come up with a process. A process, a purposeful and intentional approach to understanding what you read. Don't just say, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go in. I'm just going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to read some stuff and see. I'm going to, I want to read to understand. That's why I prayed because Lord, I want to hear your voice. And I want to know your truth. I don't want to just read something. I can read any other book. I'll go read the Hardy Boys if they still exist. You know, I'll read something. And I love this because there's, there's methods. How can I understand, you know, the precept method of observe, interpret, apply. Lord, as I read this, help me to understand what does it actually say? What's it really saying? And then what does it mean? What does it really mean? Not what do I think it means. Like, what does it mean? And then what do I do with what I've just read? Because you can't do something if you don't understand what it is. And James cautioned us, don't just read it, do it. Read it to understand it. Ask the five questions, who, what, where, when, why, how. Look at the context of like, okay, what, what, what was happening in this time that, that when this was written? Who's it written to? What type of literature is it? Did you realize the Bible is not all the same kind of stuff? It doesn't all apply equally. Some of it is narrative, some of it's poetry, some of it's wisdom literature, some of it's prophecy, some of it's the gospel, some of it are epistles and teachings. You can't read them all the same. It's like, wait, I didn't know that. It would help a lot as you read through to understand what you're reading. You're like, well, how do I do that? You know, the Bible Project is one of the great uh, things on the YouVersion Bible app that explains a lot of these things, tons of free resources to help, but I encourage you to check it out. Like, hey, I got to do some work to do this? Yeah, that's why I said it was going to be something meaningful. It's going to require something. Then fourth, I don't know if it's fourth. It says nine on here. Um, posse, posse, find some people to do it with. <laughs> Read on your own, but not alone. And I find so many people, it's like, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to try. I'm not going to do it with anyone else because what if I fail? Stop thinking like that. Do this with other people because you know I'm probably going to fail if I don't do it with somebody else. We're meant to carry one another, walk with one another, find a way to grow in community. And so you're like, well, I wish there were some Bible studies I could join. Please see Gary's announcements from earlier. Man, there's a ton of Bible studies you could join, but join one that, where, that requires you to be in this every day. You're like, darn, I liked that no homework one. <laughs> Great start, but find one that's going to get you in every day or, then, or join a Bible app um, plan on version. Do it maybe with your friends or your family or your men's group or whatever and talk about it. Ask questions like, you know, I, did, I didn't really get that. I love that in our men's group one where there's some of those newbies the first time they're reading through and they're like, ah, I didn't get, and actually, to be honest, I don't think I really liked that. And it's like, okay, let's talk about it. Begin to understand, well, why didn't we like it? What's some of those things going on in our hearts and in our thoughts? Why? Because every part contributes. Every part brings something. And then for your posse, pray for one another. Man, just, if you know the enemy's attacking you for doing this, guess who else he's attacking? Everybody else. And as I was prepping for this, I was praying for you tonight. Didn't know your names or faces. I can see it now. Praying for you that it would be that thing of realizing, yeah, yeah, we got to do this together, Lord. And if there's attack, I know they're under it too. 
God, give them grace and courage to take up this call and this cause and allow your word and your voice in their heart every day. And then finally, oh, maybe not finally, practice, practice, practice. You know, think of that thought. If at first you don't succeed, yeah, I tried this once and didn't go very well. Everybody knows that the great chant is if at first you don't succeed, quit. Right? Every great coach says that. No, 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 not at all. What is it? If at first you don't succeed, try. Try again. You're like, man, I don't understand what I'm reading. I would say keep on going. Keep on going. Not because, you know, it's like it's one of those things where, you know, you can just, you can muster it up or figure it out. What I've learned through all the years of reading through scripture, it's a little bit like Sudoku. Anybody play Sudoku with those nine squares with the nine numbers? And no? Yes. Yeah, okay, for the Sudoku people, he, sometimes you see those squares, you're like, I can't figure this one out. Well, the reason you can't figure it out is because you need to figure this one out first. And once you have this, then you can understand this. And it's the same with this. There are certain things you're not going to understand right away, but later, all of a sudden, you'll get to somewhere and be like, oh, I get it. I know what this means now as a result. Why? Because you kept on going. You kept on re... Some of you are still glazed over. Okay, so if you're building a house and you're trying to build the roof, you realize you can't build the roof until what else is built? Yeah, everything else. The foundation, the floor, the walls, the roof, then the shingles. You can't do this part. And some of you are like, you're reading through and you're reading the roof stuff right away. You're like, I don't get it. Reading Revelation's roof, man, this is all confusing to me. Do not start there. Right? So build the rest of this. You understand? So if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Why? Because it's like they said, precept upon precept, line upon line. He's building that. Paul wrote Romans in that way that you would understand this one part and it leads to the next part and it leads to the next part and that you would understand it. Hebrews is very similar, explaining what happened in the Old Testament so that you could understand that it all points to Jesus. And as you get that, you realize, oh man, I'm getting there. You know, I, I would encourage you, if you don't have a Bible that you understand, get the Jesus-centered Bible. It just puts the, the words that, that point to Jesus in the Old Testament are all in blue. So you're like, as you read the Old Testament, you're like, oh yeah, it's pointing to Jesus, it's pointing to Jesus, it's pointing to Jesus. In the New Testament, it's all red, pointing to Jesus, pointing to Jesus, because the whole point is it's pointing us to Jesus. And that's why every day, man, wouldn't it be great if every day we're like, yeah, I got time in here that's just, again, pointing me every day to Him. Finally, promise. Everybody raise your right hand. I solemnly swear that I'm going to do this. I make this, not that, not that kind of promise. And we've done those promises, right? We're like, yeah, I'm going to do it this time. This, this is my year. I promise. I, man, it's just leaf jokes in my head all night long. <laughs> Our promises are kind of weak, aren't they? When I thought of this, it was just simply this. It's not our promise that matters, it's his promise that matters. When John said, you remain in me and abide and allow my word to abide in you, you're going to bear fruit, I promise. You know, Isaiah 55, as he was speaking to the, to the nation of Israel, he says, it's the same with my word. He's saying the seasons, the, the rain falls and it causes the fruit to grow. He says, it's the same with my word. I send it out. It always produces fruit. It will accomplish all that I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. He's like, you can count on it. I promise. Man, the God of all promises. Promises. What does he promise? That it will sustain you. As you spend time every single day in his word, it will sustain you. It's not always going to be prime rib. 
You know, sometimes you read those, you read those uh, scriptures and, and it's like, do we have that picture? Sometimes you read through the word and you're like, oh, it was so amazing. Or there's a sermon that's like, it's so amazing. And you're like, it's like prime rib. And other days it's just meatloaf, right? It's like, ugh, I didn't really get much, but you know it's doing something. Keep eating meatloaf. The prime rib will come. Keep going. Keep, it will sustain you. It's that simple daily dose of his word. And either way, either way, it requires us. It requires of us to make a decision to do it. And so finally, I want to close with this, just this simple thought. If you choose, if you choose this year to say, yeah, you know what? I'm in. I'm in. I'm not, it's not willy-nilly. The deep in me is calling out for him. I I feel him drawing on me. I, I know it's his voice, not that preacher at the front that's drawing me into this. And Lord, I respond in obedience to you. I don't have it in me to do it on my own, but God, you know my desire is to know you. Lord, I'm in. I'm in. Let me just say this. If that's you tonight, whether you've done it before, maybe 2023 you've done it, maybe you've done it for the last five years, I can promise you this, you'll be glad you did. You will be glad you did. Let me share some testimony texts. These are my favorite texts to get, by the way. The ones that be like, hey, look what God did in my life. Love those. Feel free to send them anytime. I didn't ask these um, men if I could share what they said. I should have sent them a mug. So here we go. One of the guys in our men's group simply said this. Good day, men. I just wanted you to know that I completed the New Testament. It was just a few days ago. Not as an accolade, but as an encouragement to anyone who's working on it to carry on. I was on the plan on the Bible app, but I fell off for a while. I seem to be uh, to do better by reading an actual Bible rather than reading on my phone, because some of you, that was your excuse. He says, my wife bought me a new Bible. Good job, wives. Carry on. He says, it's, and it's bigger print. So tomorrow, I'm looking forward to starting the Old Testament. Yearn to learn. Stay the course, men. I was like, oh, I love it. Love it. And then this one. This is the first time that I've ever finished reading the New Testament. I've started it many times. But this is the first time I finally made it through. And I have learned so much. This one, we just started reading Revelation with our group too. I was talking about this a month ago. And they said, I'm so thankful you threw that challenge at the church to read the New Testament. It's the best thing I've ever done. Man, these are people who last year said, you know what? I'm in. I'm in. And guess what? They're glad they did. They're glad they did. And so I want us to offer you this invitation this year. Simple invitation. Maybe you're here tonight and you're not a Jesus follower. But you're curious of Christianity. It's why you kind of you've, you've you've come out, you've listened. You're like I'm, I'm curious. It's a new year coming up. You know, feel like I should should inspect or whatever. Let me just say this to those curious of Christianity. Christianity starts with Christ. It starts with Christ. And so, if that's you tonight, I would encourage you to read through the New Testament, to start in the New Testament and read about Jesus. Not, you know, you're just your Sunday school stories that you thought you know, but like, Lord, show me. Teach me who you are as I read. Let me hear your voice like they heard it as you walked on this planet. And so, 
for those tonight, I would just encourage you. I'm going to be doing this New Testament in a year study this year. And if that's you and you're like, yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to join. I'd like somebody to do it with. Feel free. I would love for you to join me in doing that. Or if you have some others to do that, I would encourage you to do it. For the second one, the invitation is to the believers here. Maybe you've done it before. Maybe you, you know, it's, uh, this is the first time for you. I'd encourage you to, to uh, join in a plan. Maybe it's this one. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's with, with me. Maybe it's with some others. But reading the Old Testament of this is how it started. Realizing that in the New Testament, this is how it's going. That those two things are different, but they're so tied to one another. And so to you tonight, I would just simply say this. The invitation is open to join me. I'm going to be doing both of these simultaneously. So you can pick one, pick the other, or do both with me and read through the whole Bible together this year. But I would encourage you just with that simple thing, there's an open invitation. And it doesn't have to be these but I would encourage you, if he's drawing your heart, make a plan. Find a plan for this reason. Because no one else can do it for you. No one else can. There will never be a day where you can blame someone else or you know, your boss or the busyness or whatever else. Uh, it's just simply an invitation to you tonight. And it's not for me. It's his invitation to you tonight. He's the one who inspired those words, taste and see that I'm good. His invitation on the table tonight, what are you going to do with it? I would encourage you to consider it. I would encourage you to simply, to simply think about what you would like to say at the end of 2024. Oh man, I wish I had, or oh man, I'm so glad I did. Let's pray. Father, I, I just thank you for your word. I do. I, I can't count how many times it's rescued me. I can't count how many times it's been on my heart and on my mind for someone else. It was just what they needed to hear. Times it's just what I needed to hear. Lord, I thank you for the power that it has to truly direct our lives and change our lives. To show us what's wrong and teach us what's right. Lord, you knew what you were doing. I'm grateful for it. Thank you for those who gave their lives that it might be translated into a language that we can understand. And Holy Spirit, thank you for causing us to have the true understanding that's needed. Lord, I just pray over this group of people tonight. I don't believe that any of them are here by accident or those listening online that's by accident. I believe in your purposes, Lord. So Father, I pray tonight as they stand in the spot of decision that uh, for those who feel you're calling, you're drawing, Lord, that... They would, that they would respond to you. Lord, I pray that this would be a year where we change statistics here simply by being a people in love with you and in love with your word. Lord, may it continue to shine in and through our hearts and in our lives. May it bring you glory and whatever good comes of it. Father, I thank you for that. Jesus, thank you for what you've done for us. How oh, your gift of life is truly, truly amazing. We love you and pray this in your name. Amen.